Hi, I'm Jake, your podcast producer here at New Hope, and I'd like to invite you to join us with our new show. It's called What Do I Say? and it's hosted by Pastor Ryan. It seeks to answer just that question. What do I say when I'm dealing with these issues? Whether that's homosexuality, the problem of good and evil, or does God exist? We invite you to listen along to today's episode. It's a good one. Hello and welcome to the podcast show called What Do I Say? My name is Ryan and I get to serve as the lead pastor at New Hope Church. And I'm joined today with Pastor Jake. Hey, y'all. Thank you uh, for listening. It's uh, just always a a privilege for us that uh, people would join in and uh, and download and listen to these podcasts that we put out uh, on occasion on various topics. And just to remind the the purpose of this podcast is we we really want to seek to learn the timeless truths of Scripture and learn how to apply them to the topics that we we face today. Because the bottom line is there, there are questions. People have questions. And more than ever, we need to be equipped as followers of Jesus to be able to respond, respond to the, the pressing questions of the day. Uh, we need to be able to build a, a clear and theologically accurate foundation for faith in Christ and in a culture that is increasingly anti, anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. So as a reminder, what we do is each episode we take uh, one topic, and we do our best to unpack it, to look at what the Bible says, and and then how to how to live that out yeah. in day to day life. Uh, and as always, if if you want to interact more on today's topic or any other topic, uh, you're welcome to email me, and and folks do, and that's awesome to hear from you at Ryan at NewHopeAdel So, what's the question we're answering today? The question is this: What do I need to know about spiritual warfare? Okay. Now this is this is a practical question. This is obviously an important question. And at New Hope Church here in Adel, Iowa, this is a question that we are we're, we're sort of wrestling through, not because we're taking on like a sermon series on spiritual warfare currently, but we're going through the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, there's constant um occasions where Jesus is interacting with with evil. He's mm-hmm. driving out demons. There's there's these uh, demon possession, and that has raised questions. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people since we've started Mark, but even kind of before. This is something that people are just kind of shows up on people's minds, and I mean that's part of the the purpose of this podcast is to help us talk to others too and answer other people's questions or our kids' questions. And so I'm really really excited about this series. I am too. So if you're listening today and you are curious about this topic. Or maybe you're confused by it, and mm-hmm. there's actually some things we need to untangle in terms of maybe uh, past experiences or what somebody's told you, and and is not actually biblical. This hopefully this podcast will will do this. So here's our game plan. Okay. We're going to not just today, but we're going to do a few different podcasts on this topic. But it's all around one central idea, and the idea is this. Jake and I want to share with you five basic truths that you need to know about spiritual warfare. In many respects, this serves as a foundation or an introduction to this topic. Now, this is a massive topic, so we're not covering everything. But this is what we believe are the most important um, principles to hang on to when it comes to spiritual warfare. So in many ways, think of it like a spiritual warfare 101 class. So we might not get into all the all the crazy weird, what about this, what about this, what about this, but this is more foundational, more groundwork of 
this is what spiritual warfare is, and this is the areas where it takes place. This is who's involved. Exactly. That kind of what we're going to look at. Yes, and and I'm convinced that if we as followers of Jesus both understand and live out these five basic ideas we're going to talk about, it really does become a game changer for how to navigate spiritual warfare. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. So I hope we're ready. Yeah. Let's jump in. So here's our plan. In this episode, we're only going to hit uh, topics one and two. Okay. So we'll tune in for the other future podcast to hear three, four, and five for our foundation. The five things, again, we need to know about spiritual warfare. All right, let's get started. What's the first one? The first one is this. There is an invisible world. Now, this 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 is so foundational. And and I think it's something that's not foreign to our concept because we maybe we've seen um, uh, movies or books or TV shows that that pick up this theme, maybe not well or biblically, but it, well. And let me add this too. Oftentimes, this type of concept that's picked up in pop culture or media is labeled as fantasy. And honestly, a lot of how it's presented is fantasy. But the Bible, though, doesn't shy away from this. It is crystal clear in, in, in teaching us that there exists a reality, a, a spiritual reality that is just as real as the physical world we all live in and experience every single day. There is an invisible world. And this world, this world is active, it's organized, and it does have re- <clears throat> excuse me, real impact in the world that you and I are familiar with. See, the reason this is so important is this biblical concept is foundation to everything else we talk about. If you and I or any person doesn't um, find it plausible that an invisible world exists beyond the physical world, then everything else regarding spiritual warfare really becomes a mute point and there's really Mm. nothing to talk about. But again, the Bible does clearly lay out this invisible world does exist. So I can think of, I mean, I think you have in Ephesians, it talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but where, where are some other examples of the Bible bringing up this idea of this invisible world? Well, let's, let's look at two. Okay. Uh, j- just, just two examples here. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. The Old Testament, uh, a great place to go, and I'm just going to give you the Bible address of 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, in the middle there, about verses 15 and following, there's this uh, really interesting, it's sort of even funny, um, story about the prophet Elisha. And there was an evil king named Aram who, who was determined to find and kill Elisha. Now, why? Well, because the Lord would often reveal to Elisha the enemy's plans. And then Elisha would simply go to warn the king of Israel. And then all the raids that they were against Israel, they never succeeded. Okay. It even got to the point where they were advising King Aram, like, like Elisha knows like what is even said in your bedroom. Like God just tells him things. And so for the king, he's like, Elisha has to go. Like he becomes enemy number one. It makes sense. (laughs) To take him out. And so Aram gathers this, this massive army. And he goes to his hometown of Dothan and he surrounds the hometown. Train killers, one target, Elisha. They weren't there to get the town. They wanted Elisha. There's a real physical army. Yes. Okay. Hundreds, thousands even. Like 
And, and Elisha um, is asleep at home. It's the morning time and the servant goes out and freaks out. I mean, understandably so. (laughs) He's totally a panic and he wakes up Elisha like, this is it. This is, this is the last day. Like we're done. Um, Aram and his army is here to get you. And Elisha offers an interesting assessment in verse 16. He says to his servant, he says, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now the servant's probably doing a quick math in his mind. (laughs) He's like, well, there's two of us and there's a lot of them. Looking around the room. Exactly. Elisha, your math is not (laughs) adding up. Um, I don't know. Elisha wants to prepare breakfast, not prepare for war. And the army is there. And Elisha is obvious, his servant, excuse me, is, is freaking out. But see, Elisha knew what the servant didn't know. Mm -hmm. He knew he had the upper hand. And so he prayed and he asked the Lord to open the eyes of his servants to see what? To see the reality of God's army. Whoa. That it wasn't just this physical army for King Aram, this, that God's army had surrounded that army, that there truly were more with Elisha on that, on his side than there were for the king wow. uh, of, uh, of Aram, the king. What a thing to see. So the servant, his eyes were opened and he did see this reality and there was victory that day. This is a a, a tremendous narrative to be reminded that there's more going on than what we can just simply see with our eyes. Mm -hmm. There's another reality. Now, you mentioned before Ephesians. I think that's still worth talking about. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. This is now, of course, in the New Testament. And the whole context here is talking about spiritual opposition. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, is a reminder for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, the, the spiritual opposition, the battles that we face, the physical world are tools, but they're not, that's not actually the enemy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not where the struggle really is against. It's deeper than that. He continues on. He says, but, but our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, a clear description. There is an invisible world. So not only is there a these spiritual forces for good, God's army, angels, but there is also a very active spiritual forces for for evil. That's oh, it's a lot to. Uh, I don't know it's we talk about it sometimes, but thinking about the reality of it, and I imagine. Being like that servant and just having your eyes opened would just be, I kind of wish we could do that instead of a podcast of just open everyone's eyes who listens to this and have them see things just for a moment. But uh, that's was, that was a powerful passage after listening to the first one. I think it's important we recognize we live in a world that is uh, a modern world that increasingly people hold to a view, a worldview that doesn't accept this idea. Mm-hmm. So to, to come to scripture and to, to see these examples, recognize that this is a counter cultural belief. See, we live in a world that increasingly holds that 
the only thing that is true, the only thing that we can know, and the only thing that is real is what we can empirically verify, a scientific enterprise using the scientific method. We we hold to increasingly, we, not the church by any means, but just culture, this idea that the, the physical world is the only reality that exists. It's the only thing that is that is real. But, you know, I we can, though, even in that sort of line of thinking, we can go back in history and we can point to lots of examples where men and women were skeptics and did not hold that something was real, holding it was fantasy because they couldn't see it. Mm. But we know better today. Like what? Like, well, bacteria. I suppose so. Or viruses. I mean, there was a time when that notion was 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 dismissed completely because you couldn't see it. Right. Uh, you can go on as well. I mean, things like electricity, natural gas, carbon monoxide, or, or even things that we can't see with our eyes that very much exist, like wind, sound waves, and atoms. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a bit of an arrogance to think that if I can't see it, it's not real. If I can't, in this case, see this spiritual reality this invisible world, well, then it can't possibly exist. Yeah. I think there's another thing that goes on sometimes where I think people will know it's real, but since we can't do anything about it or we feel like we can't do anything about it or because we can't see it, then we just, I don't know, it's a little bit like a kid putting his head under the covers. If I can't see it, it's not real. So I'm just ignore it, pretend like it's not happening. And I think uh, for me personally, that's where I lived for a while in this is, okay, I know there's sin in my life because of who I choose to surround myself. I know there's sin in my life because of my own personal issues. I know a lack of discipline. So I'll fix those things, and I'll kind of minimize spiritual warfare because, I don't know, I can't I can't do anything about that. Or I feel like I can't do anything about that. And in a, I agree. In addition to that, we do the same thing because we don't like it or we're scared of it. Okay. Well, it might have been more accurate, but I didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> we are going to bring that up later yeah. on. Maybe not in this yeah. uh, podcast episode, but but it, it, it is this unnerving, yeah. scary Very much topic. So. And and so better just to leave it alone mm-hmm. and, not, and not deal with the whole thing. Yeah. Ignorance becomes bliss. You know, how often in our daily lives do we... Do we really go go about our days living unaware that there is really more going on mm-hmm. than we can observe with our senses? Um, I think it's very easy, to your point, to forget that there is an invisible world mm-hmm. and to live as if it's not actually there. But we need, as followers of Jesus, we need that first foundational piece. It's there. Whether we want it to be there or not, it's mm-hmm. there, it's active, it's real, and it has real impact in our world and in our lives. Yeah. So that's principle number one out of the five we're going to look at. Ready for number two? We're going to try and tackle number two. Let's go for it. Okay. Building on the first one, number two is this idea that not only is there an invisible world, but number two is we are involved in an invisible war. Now, we just talked about not liking certain types of things. And just because we don't like something doesn't make it untrue. There's plenty of things yeah. that can be true and are sure. true that we prefer not to be true. Well, this is the case probably uh, with this one here. And the reality is this involvement in an invisible conflict. Some people um, 
are aware of this and engage. Some retreat. They don't want to deal with it. Other, frankly, most people live completely oblivious Mm -hmm. that there is a spiritual conflict in and around them and for them, that there is an enemy that is truly real and very much engaged and invested to try to steal, kill, and destroy you, you, the listener, all of us. And I recognize, and we recognize, this may not be comforting news, but it's true. And it's important that we understand it. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 10, back to Paul, verses three or five, three through five, excuse me, speaks, speaks to this. He writes this. He says, um, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. What he's saying here is, look, we, we live in this world, but we have this spiritual reality, this invisible world, and this opposition that comes at us. But the way that we battle that, the way that we engage the conflict is not with guns and swords and things that might be warfare in the physical world. He says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, again, these weapons and this we use for the spiritual world, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There is so much in these verses here, but the point I want to really draw home here is that we, we are in a battle. You didn't, you didn't maybe choose it. You don't want it. You didn't pick the fight but it's come to you. We're in a conflict, this spiritual battle or conflict. So if this battle's happening and it's not a physical battle, where, where's this battle taking place? That's where this verse is so critical. It takes place, much of it, between our ears. Much of the spiritual warfare we face and what Paul's hitting here in verses three through five and really driving home is that much of the battle takes place in our minds our belief and our belief systems, or in other words, our worldview. What I want us to be reminded of is this is really primary target number one of the enemy. He wants to build in us stinking thinking. He, he, he wants, he, he, let me say it this way. He knows the powerful impact that our worldview or beliefs have on our lives. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. John Piper, a well-known author and former pastor, he said something pretty significant. It stuck with me over the years. He said this, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. How so? Because it's the foundation for your worldview. See, every other belief that you and I have is a consequence of or is a result, if you will, of what you believe about God. God. Now, what, what I'm saying this, what I'm, what I'm really saying is this is bigger than knowing facts about God or the Bible. I mean, somebody can know a lot of Bible right. data or know about God, but, but rather what I'm really talking about are the beliefs that you hold about who he is, about what he's doing, and about who you are in relationship to him. And how you answer those questions really, truly are the tracks, the train tracks that your life runs upon. Okay. So you're not as sort of unpredictable 
as maybe you like to think that you are. Right. We are actually very predictable in our behavior and our thoughts because the beliefs and worldviews that we have informs them. Because mm-hmm. what I believe about who God is is going to shape what I believe about how the world came to be, which then shapes how I value the world, how I interact with the world, what I think about it. That's even... spot on. Okay. And it's more than just how the how the universe came to be and how I relate with the universe and what that means, the world. Mm-hmm. It's also, it informs how I, how I think about and how I define what is moral. Right. What does it mean to live the good life? Mm-hmm. Um, does truth exist? Or is everything just made up and relative? Uh, is there purpose to life? How about this one? What happens after a person dies? Mm-hmm. Like these are significant primary questions that we we all interact with in life. Well, all of them are informed by this first and more foundational question about who is God yeah. and does He exist, and who am I in relationship to Him? And so we. This is where the enemy is going to target first. Mm. This this warfare that you and I are going to face. Now, it's, it's, all, it's not just limited to that, but we need to recognize that. And that's what 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5 hits. Another verse that ties into that, uh, Paul again in Romans 12, 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Okay. This is this is that central spot. That's how uh, the transformation process takes place. We stop living in the form or pattern of the ways of this world, but we're transformed. When this happens, continues on, says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, interesting. See, part of how we grow as a follower of Jesus is through, a significant part is the renewing of our mind process what we believe, how we think, the mm-hmm. beliefs we hold, the worldview that we live out. But if we are acknowledging this second truth that there is a war, then it's not an easy process, is it? No. It's something that everything around us is going to be fighting for us to keep things the same. Now remember, warfare today in the physical world, it isn't typically just in one place in one way. Mm-hmm. You have you have air attack you have a ground attack. Maybe you have uh, the Navy on the ocean yeah. attack. I mean, you have you have attack in different ways different to take theaters. out the enemy. So what we're not saying is this is the only way the enemy works. All we're simply saying is there is a war. Mm-hmm. There is an invisible world where the war is taking place, but the where the warfare comes to you primarily is with your beliefs. It's with your is with your mind and with your thinking. Another example, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Paul, again, he says, the God of this age, this is referring to Satan, has blinded the what? The minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Again, another frontal attack. He goes after the minds, in this case, of unbelievers so that they cannot see. Mm-hmm. who Jesus is, the gospel, the good news. So, so what, what, what's, why is this, why right. does this even matter? Why, well, if, if nothing else, it, it just reminds us all of the importance of getting into scripture. 
mm-hmm. that we are renewing our minds day by day. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? Uh, Matthew 4, I believe, is where, where he's there 40 days and the evil one comes and attacks him. Yeah. And, and the, the temptation he faced. Well, how did he fight back? Scripture. Every time he brings it back yeah. to the truth of Scripture. He says, God's word says, boom. Mm-hmm. And he stands on that and he lives that out. We need to be the same. We need to fight stinking thinking. We need to fight um, opposition to um, what happens in our minds and the beliefs that we hold by coming back to the truth of Scripture. And I would add to that reliance on prayer. Mm-hmm. This, these are these are where the battlegrounds Constantly take reminding place. ourselves of who God is and what he thinks about us and how he loves us. Yeah. I love that. I love have that practical application step. In our next episode, we're going to unpack a lot more about what this warfare looks like, this invisible conflict that we're in. So this is just a little, a little taste as we get into it. But I want to, I want to close with this question. When was the last time that you saw your struggle or conflict that you were living out and going through as spiritual opposition? Now, I think sometimes what can happen is some of us take this concept way too far Mm -hmm. where it's like you get a flat tire and it was the devil. Right. You can't find a good parking spot or hit every red light on the way to work. And (laughs) clearly, you know, this is spiritual warfare and we... Well, we, we can go so far as to like make that an excuse for sin. Mm-hmm. You know, the devil made me do it or whatever. And yeah. we, uh, we, we excuse our laziness. We excuse our choices, the consequences of choices as it's all spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, we're given the devil way too much credit. Like it just is what it is or it's because of the decisions we are making. Right. But the other bumper guard that we can bump up against is to say, well, that it's, there's nothing in yeah. terms of the spiritual opposition that we face, that, that none of that impacts my life. Yeah. That none of that is real or is present. So how about you? When was the last time, Jake, for you that you just, that opposition, you you faced it? Well, it's kind of, it's funny you mentioned kind of those two areas because I think between me and my wife, like we're both, I'm on one side and she's on the other. Um, I tend to be very, I don't like thinking about spiritual warfare. It's, I mean, this has been a good podcast, but it's also like, it's not been the most comfortable I've ever been sitting here kind of listening and learning to this. Whereas Hannah, I think, does go very much, I think she's in some ways more spiritually aware than I am. Um, But the last, I mean, just recently, so I started school um, this last, this fall. And so I'm I'm going to school to kind of learn about um, counseling, um, about marriage and family, and that's been a very clear calling on my life. I mean, one of the, the clearest things I've ever been called to, um, short of marrying Hannah and ministry. And just this past Tuesday, um, my wife uh, had to go home sick from work. I mean, super dizzy, couldn't drive. And I'm in Minneapolis getting ready to go to school or on my way to Minneapolis getting ready to go to school. And so, like, there was just all of these things, and it's like, Why'd this have to, have to happen tonight? Like, I'm not going to be home until 1 a.m. Like, I'm, I can't do anything about it. And I think because Hannah is so aware, like, she didn't, she did fight there. She fought well in terms of just rethinking, renewing her mind of, okay, yeah, this sucks. Like, I, 
I've got four kids there surviving off hot pockets that day and that's okay. Um, and just realizing, okay, what's important. They're safe. They know I got to call them and everything and we got to talk and Hannah kind of just powered through, but knowing that we weren't going to let this thing know whether it's spiritual warfare or not. I, I don't know, but if it is, or if it isn't, we're still going to not let it get in the way of what God's doing. And I, I think, I don't know, that was, that was an example that I think was in my own life. Do you ever, thank you for sharing yeah. that. Do, do you ever find, uh, just being in um, pastoral uh, occupational ministry, that Saturday nights don't go well before Sunday? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, same with me. And we have hit pockets of time where it's like consecutive Saturdays. It's like, especially when the kids are younger. I mean, it was just, what else could go wrong? Yeah. What other sort of discouragements can happen or, or whatnot. And I know in my life too, um, it isn't just Saturday nights mm-hmm. that there have been times getting to serve here at new hope church. Um, whether it's a day or a, a collection, a season collection of days, uh, where I could just really tell the warfare was, mm-hmm. was very present. Um, and for me, how that sort of manifests itself, this opposition is is feeling deep discouragement, mm. even though circumstantially there really weren't reasons to feel discouraged. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, New Hope currently right now is in a wonderful season of ministry and, yeah. and growth, and we're seeing Thanks, God Lord. impact lives. And and, and I would, you know, that all that's the case and so thankful for what the Lord's doing. But in the midst of that, like this just deep discouragement or, um, or just a heavy weight mm-hmm. or, or how about this? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like a very solid, heavy temptation to believe things that maybe aren't true, such as you're terrible at mm-hmm. what you do. You, you really have matter. no idea yeah. what you're doing in your role, um, at New Hope Church you're messing things up, you're, yeah. you, know, you know, or you really aren't leading the staff well or loving them well, or fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Like these like things that fly through your mind. Yeah. It's like, I've got to choose, like, am I going to believe this? And I, I want to bring this back to that idea that a reminder, like this stuff that happens in our minds, this attack in mm-hmm. that place, the temptations, what am I going to choose to believe is so critically important. And it's, yeah. it's a primary place for warfare. When you when you brought that up, it kind of made me think about there's kind of those moments when, when I think spiritual warfare. Sometimes I think these moments, um, but then you kind of you were talking about comparing it to actual warfare, and I think one of the ways that actual warfare is fought is kind of this long propaganda campaign. And I think for me, there was there was a time in my life where I think I got tricked into believing that I could know God completely. And, and by that, I mean, like, I could know everything there is to know about God and that God was small enough to fit in my theology book. And if it wasn't in there, then then God couldn't do it. And it, it led to me believing in a really small God that couldn't answer my prayers, that couldn't do big things, at least not now. Maybe in the New Testament he could. Maybe in the Old Testament he could do. But here... He couldn't do, he was just kind of, I, I know everything about him and I know what he can do and what he can't. And I wouldn't have said it that way. I would have dressed it up in some 
some theological language, but it led to me not praying big. It led to me not putting my faith in God because I didn't feel like he could do the things I wanted him to do. And that was, I don't think I realized it for a long time. And it was definitely not like a moment. It was, I mean, years of me kind of slowly believing this more and more until kind of being shown, nope, God is big enough. God is bigger than I'll ever understand. And I look forward to learning more and more about how big he is. It's a good reminder for us all that ideas and beliefs always have consequences. Mm -hmm. Good ones or bad ones. Yeah. And it is so important to constantly be renewing our minds, Mm -hmm. being in scripture, learning about who God is and how we are to relate to him, including this area of warfare. So, uh, oh, let me mention one more thing. You know, when when those seasons come, because maybe you're listening and you're like, well, so Pastor Ryan, what do you do? Or Jake, what do you do when you hit those moments of discouragement or the temptation to believe certain things? You're no good. You're ugly. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. Uh, God hasn't really called you to it. Fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And here's, I do two things. Number one, I've got a couple of people that I text or call Mm -hmm. and I ask them to do what I'm about to do. And that is, I need prayer. Mm -hmm. You just pray. Yeah. And you get back and you open your Bible and you get back in the word and you remember who God is and you remember what he's called you to and you stand on that. You never doubt in the dark what he's revealed in the light. Mm -hmm. I love that. Say that that one more time. Well, you never doubt in the dark what he's already revealed in the light. What I mean by that is he's revealed who he is, his character, his love, his presence, how he wants to work in your life, what he's called you to. And then Mm -hmm. you go through these moments that feel very dark. Yeah. And it's easy to question it in that place, but that's the place you go back to the light and who he is and what he's called you to do, whether in a general sense to obey him or maybe a specific and special calling to a ministry or to a task. Mm -hmm. And you stay faithful and you just keep doing that. But you get people around you to pray and you get on your knees. Yeah. I know for me, like I am not a, I don't ask for help well. Like I'm horrible at it. I'm working on it. But, and I think if you're one of those people and you know you are, like that first text you send, like it's, you're going to hate sending it. It's not going to be cohesive. It's not going to be coherence, but just like, Hey, pray for me to the right person. And I think they'll reach back out and. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not weakness. No, no, it is it's not. reality. Mm-hmm. If you're following Jesus, the yeah. evil one's coming to knock yeah. on your door. Yeah. The Lord asked for people to come pray with him. So Absolutely. you're not better than Jesus. So yeah, reach out. Well, I think it's a good place to pause uh, here, and yeah. we'll pick up numbers three and four in the next podcast episode. Uh, as again, we're looking at five basic truths that every Christian needs to know when it comes to spiritual warfare. Hey, thank you for listening, giving some of your, your commute or your day to uh, joining us on this important topic, and we look forward to the next time we get to be together. God bless. Take care.